This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Monday, July 15th of 2019, it's episode 157. In this episode, Bearing False Witness, part 9 of our series on the Ten Commandments, plus the hardest lessons we had to learn as Christians, World Anvil's world-building contest, the state of our various games and the wrap-up of our Innocence game, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. How's everyone doing? Sleepy, but okay. Glad to be home in the air conditioning. Work is very warm. Mm. Work is very many children. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. I dropped my daughter off at a uh, day day camp for for kids her age at... The uh, the local children's museum. They're doing a space camp kind of thing. Like mm. I think they're making paper mache astronaut helmets and all that fun stuff. Cool. Just being there in line drove me mad. Yeah, all of the kids came in today. Like it, it honestly, it's been kind of dead in the library. And just just today, all of the kids came in at once, and all of them had so much pent up energy, and just it was absolutely nuts we did actually have like a recent death in the community and so everything's been very somber um quiet very busy because the the death in the community was it it was a kid related to a lot of other kids in in my town and so everyone had to do funerally things and then today everyone was like okay i guess we're done so we're just gonna storm the library (laughs) uh so yeah i'm 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 here and Almost awake. Sounds like you had an opportunity to at least catch a quick nap before starting I recording, did. so that's good. I made us late, and I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. All right. Well, um, we have a fair amount of gaming news, I suppose. Peter, you've been doing a, a World Anvil thing. Credit to our Discord community yet again. One of the guys on there, and I'm sorry I forget the, the username, uh, mentioned that they were doing this right before I went on vacation. The World Anvil website apparently runs like a contest in the summertime where the idea is you do 30 of these writing prompts and submit them, and then there's some large number of prizes that get handed out on criteria that weren't entirely clear, but it's based at least partially on getting all of this stuff done. So I was like, you know, I've I've got nine days of time off in a row if I count the two weekends, and I'm going to be home for the whole thing, so this seems like a fun creative project, and so I got through the whole thing. So the the world that you guys are going to be in once I finish getting the Kickstarter stuff for this future game I'm working on has slang that it didn't have, has history that it didn't have, Nice. has interesting plant life that it didn't have because of the culinary stuff that it didn't have. I mean, they they really had quite the variety of different writing prompts in here. It's like, write about a famous cookbook in the world. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. It goes until the end of July, and there's like three different tiers. There's 10, 20, and 30 of the prompts finished that are eligible for prizes. So if you want to try and get into this as you're hearing this, if you hear it the day that it comes out, you do still have some time. 30 might be a little bit of an ask. Um, I don't know that I would have been able to rip through all 30 in nine days if I hadn't been on vacation, but 10's pretty doable, I would think. So yeah, give that a shot. Uh, Also, I'm very impressed with World Anvil in general at this point. Um, It's a neat tool. I have an account, but I've done nothing with it. Well, I was in the same boat before this contest, and so I think the reason why they run this is to get people to use their site and realize what a neat tool it is, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's super cool. Do you want to explain real quick what it is? Yeah, okay, so World Anvil is this website that's designed for making worlds specifically for tabletop RPGs, and um, they mention at two different points in their terms of service that... The content that you post is yours, not theirs, which I really appreciate that kind of hardline, you know, very clear, no, no, this is yours yeah. uh, kind of a stance, because sometimes tools aren't like that. I stopped using Incarnate because apparently there's some 
intellectual property vagueness in their terms of service about who owns the maps you make and stuff. And I was like, well, also, it's really, really not updating much. You can make some pretty looking maps, but it's very limited. So, but yeah, there's none of those problems with World Anvil. And the the other thing that I really like is all the individual types of things have all these different fields that you can fill in. They give you like this very expensive template. So if you're doing like a sci-fi setting, there's all this stuff about like genotype and phenotype and that sort of thing. And oh wow in the the species that you can fill in if you want to if you don't fill a category in it just doesn't appear on the page of the the thing that you're working on so you can go through decide what is relevant to you the the world that you're designing and or the game that you're running fill in that stuff finish the article and it looks really nice when it's finished so yeah go check world anvil out i've been very impressed by the site the user interface the user experience it's it's a good thing I'll probably jump in on the one of the lower paid tiers once we actually get the game going because some additional features open up at that point. But and it's not very expensive either, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll put a link to World Anvil. And do you want me to link your stuff as well? Uh, sure. Why not? Although honestly, you and Jenny should probably stay away because there's stuff that would constitute spoilers in there. So fair. I mean, that's fair, but also I'm not going to remember it in like nine months, so There's a whatever. few things that you might remember in nine months. There's, there's, um, in particular, there's one thing in there that, um, Okay, fair, but also I'm trying to give your, your game as little bandwidth as possible in my brain. So, because it's coming in like nine months to a year or whatever. And yeah. I don't have the brain power for that right now. That's that's understandable. I mean, you know, I would I would just avoid clicking on the secrets tab for anything and you're probably fine. Entirely so. fair. But yeah, give me that link. I'll throw it in the show notes, too, if anybody wants to. All see. right. Yeah. Remind me when we're done and I will get you that. So, yeah, I mean, I've got it in the show notes as my, like my reminder thing. So or our, our outline. So I'll get it from you at some point. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, Peter, you've done that. That's really cool. We also just wrapped up my wife's innocence game. It was her first time GMing. That went very well. We had a nice us, like, also tone-appropriate resolution to there's a teenage werewolf in our school. Yeah. Uh, which was good. Uh, we ended up basically sort of getting him integrated into our group of friends as like, hey, now you have a pack. Yeah. And stop acting out. Because the problem is not that he's a werewolf. Like, that's sort of the surface problem. But the real problem is he's an out-of-control, acting-up, delinquent werewolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But but not a mean or cruel one, as it turns out. Just just acting out. Yeah, just kind of, you know, typical tween stuff, but, you know, with werewolfiness on top. Right. And, you know, we sort of had it disguised as, oh, the problem is a werewolf, not the problem is he's a jerk, who I guess happens to be a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. So it, it worked out pretty well. And if we go back to that, that's kind of cool. We now have like a werewolf buddy we can lean on, that sort of thing. I know Chrissy does have a couple of uh, story ideas for future arcs, so that'll be fun. We're doing this kind of as a one-shot thing. It was, what, four sessions? Something like that, yeah. Probably would have only been three if uh, we'd had more time in individual ones. I don't think we needed, you know, four separate arcs. We just kept running out of time because we were having so much fun, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we only have, like, two hours per session, so. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's how our game group is. Uh, but that went very well. We may, we're kind of, I'm talking with Chrissy about this. We might have her on in a upcoming episode to sort of go over stuff she learned from running her first game. Do kind of a new DM's debrief kind of a thing. Yeah, kind of that. And get, you know, Jenny was not in the game. So Jenny, getting your questions as somebody who doesn't know what happened. Yeah. Like all all the context I have is what you guys have written in the Discord chat after and before games i don't i would love to fill in some gaps in my knowledge (laughs) that's fair like i said it went very well much better than peter's idea of getting him super angry and letting him rampage through the school so that somebody has to call the police and shoot him or whatever very james dean that idea did not last very long that was kind of an initial spitballing thing and it was like wait no yeah. Yeah. Once we kind of called, well, 
I say we, once the other players called you on it. I was unfortunately kind of out of it for the last session and didn't participate a whole lot. I just wasn't feeling super. Well, and your character was also the skeptic, so... Well, yeah, but I also wasn't, like, being skeptical. I was just being quiet. Yeah. But anyway, you know, we had some fun moments. It was good. Uh, And this is something that we'll probably talk about in that episode if we do it, but I liked that Chrissy gave us a really long denouement where we got to, like, solve the problem and then experience having solved the problem. Yeah, that was cool. It was good. Uh, My vampire game also went well. Finally got around to another session of that. We pretty much have the current current problem dealt with, and now it's time to start actually introducing other vampires. I've kind of given them a few sessions to get used to the system. Uh, We did our first combat. I was reminded once again that White Wolf's combat systems are garbage and should (laughs) never be used. Uh, There's three different rules. Like, okay, does everybody agree that grapple systems are terrible? Yes. Yes. I think you could probably design an entire game around a grapple system and it, the whole thing would be terrible. Well, no, like a wrestling system would be awesome, right? But there there are some very good wrestling games, and I guess you could say a lot of that is grappling. I'm being hyperbolic, Grant. <laughs> a lot of it's also, you know, hitting them with a the chair. So, like... Sure. The- yeah, hitting the chair and working the crowd. Like, the whole thing is great, right? Yeah. Grapple systems in most traditional RPGs are awful, White Wolf has three different moves that do grapples and do exactly the same thing, except one of them does slightly more damage and you have to have a running start. It's an awful, awful system. It really is. (laughs) So we did enough combat to show that we should try and avoid combat in the future and moved on. Uh, But now I get to uh, that, you know, we've kind of let them lorded over some humans, and now I get to say, oh, and that had consequences, and also here are other vampires. So that'll that'll be fun going forward. They also specifically asked at the end of the session, we want more vampires in our vampire games. Like, good, that's the next thing. So. Cool. Yeah, that went well. And I guess the other thing to note is that our, our gaming group in general is trying to figure out what to do next before Jenny has free time again and we pick up the Sharn Detectives game again. Yeah, because so, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going to be free until, like, honestly, at this point, it's looking like mid-September. <laughs> I keep looking at the calendar and going, that's only two months, so... Yeah, and I mean, like, the next two weeks, we've got scheduling conflicts for various stuff, so we're not going to be doing anything for the next two weeks anyway. One other thing, I I don't know how much time you want to give to this, but it kind of came up towards the end of the um, the last session that it might be kind of interesting to sort of inflict player characters on each other that go very much against type. Yes. So we've been having some discussion of that in our gaming groups, you know, kind of internal conversations. And it's it's very interesting so far to see what different people want different people to play. Yeah, it's at this point more of a thought exercise than anything else. So, yeah. So that's kind of cool. It's, it's an interesting point of conversation. People are like, hey, Grant, what if you played a character who wasn't a cynic? Or, what, hey, what Peter, about what if you played a character who wasn't a goody two-shoes? Yeah, exactly. Like, you guys say these things and my mind is just a void. I can't picture it. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Now, I, I have played very honest characters before, and I I quite enjoyed it. Um, well, and as you brought up in that discussion, I, Trather is mostly that. He's got a little bit of irony to him because you're playing him as a little bit oblivious and stuff, but he's not a cynic by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no, he's quite honest. He's he's very forthright. He says exactly what he's thinking and just is a little surprised if anybody lies. Like, what would be the point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, not to lean too hard in today's, into this episode's topic, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, that's just what he does. Yeah. You know, and I've played other characters like that. Interestingly, I tend to do it more with fighter characters, but that's, you know, there's a certain amount of that that kind of goes hand in hand. I'm a very straightforward character. Also, I don't lie much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fine. Right. Very straightforward mechanics, very straightforward personality. Yeah, but like my, uh, the one superhero game I ever played, uh, my character Newton was exactly that. He was, <laughs> he was named Newton as in units of gravitational energy because his, <laughs> His go-to move was leap into the air Hulk-like and then grow like a giant man and fall on people. (laughs) That sounds like it was probably pretty effective. Uh, Yes. Yes, it was. Also, he had a giant hammer. It was fun. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's a conversation we've been having, and that's amusing. 
All right, shall we do our Patreon question? Oh, uh, one more thing that we should cover. You actually did some game design on a stream recently, and that was fascinating. <sighs> yeah, that was a thing. Okay, so you've got this tendency to be self-critical, but that was actually a really interesting and cool stream. We we got somebody who I don't think had ever heard of us to come in and ask questions, and so we kind of got to, to meet a new person there. Um, yes, indeed. Hello, Kojima. Yeah, I I really liked the base idea that you were working with, and you made it very kind of collaborative and were taking suggestions from the kind of the room. So that was actually it was a really good, really interesting stream. I I get that it was probably nerve wracking in the extreme to kind of start from zero on a creative endeavor like that, but it made for very good viewing. Yeah, I feel like I also didn't make much progress, too, but that's, you know, that's me. Well, I, I think that like. Here's the thing, like, you weren't just trying to think through stuff. You had to think through it, then stop, explain it to everybody, no, take okay, reactions, and then move on. So that there, definitely is going to impede your your speed of development, you know? That's actually a very fair point, and I, I should not be critical about that. You're correct. Yeah. All right. But yeah, that was cool. Uh, I may end up doing more of that on our on our uh, Friday streams when it's my turn. It was, it was useful, just I need to get better at it. <laughs> and yeah. practice, you know, practice does help. I might start trying to do something kind of similar at some point, too, because just watching kind of how the dynamic on that went, that was, I may want to tap into some of that myself at some point. That's kind of a resource that's available that I hadn't realized. So, Indeed. Speaking of streams, uh, here's an amusing anecdote. Jenny, you streamed Gris recently. I think it's pronounced Gris. Gris? Okay. Because I, I've only seen it. I've only seen it written. Okay, it's... It, I'm guessing that it's based on the French word for gray because the world starts starts out gray. Okay. Yeah, you streamed that recently. I did. I unfortunately missed that stream. And then I was you looking did. at uh, new games. I was like, guys, have you seen this? And Peter's like, yes. Yeah, you streamed that? I'm like, well, I feel like a terrible person. I'm going to go stick my head in the toilet. So <laughs> I, I think your actual reaction was, how was that the stream I missed? Yeah. And I was like, Murphy's Law? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, when I tried to to get it on the Switch, the Switch locked up, and so oh. I got charged for the game and did not get the game. So I've got oh. to work with Nintendo support to get get it credited back. Or it, there's a pending charge, I should say. It should okay. go back uh, because Nintendo's actually good about that sort of Does thing. Does it not, like, keep it on your account so that you can It didn't register as it? being on my account. Oh, like that. Oh, yikes. Yeah. The the charge happened, but not the hey you placed an order. Oh, so yeah, that, that kind funny. of thing. Okay, those are, yeah, that's awful. Those usually do resolve themselves, but they're always nerve wracking. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. And in fairness, I called Nintendo support late at night, got an answer. They're like, nope, this is what's going to happen. It'll credit back if it does. If the pending charge doesn't drop in three to four days, give us a call. Mm. So they're hey cre credit to them. They're good to yeah. work with. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah. but the game looks amazing. The kids are <gasps> extremely excited about it. They should be. It's really great. It's so good. Um, we we watched every trailer we could find for it, just staring, going, "This looks amazing." The artwork so. looks like kind of a painted children's book. It's really well, that's the cool. point. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a particular character I want to crochet because I can crochet squares, and it's a very good character. And I know I could crochet him, and and it'd be great. Well, we will talk about that perhaps off the mics once we get through because the game's not super long. So no, it's not, and and that character it's not really spoilers because that character shows up like within for me the first hour of the game. But because I like to take it slow and look at things and explore every mm. nook and cranny, you can get there in like twenty minutes. Like oh sure yeah, but yeah. So I'm I'm gonna be streaming that this coming Friday as well, which will have already happened by the time this episode drops. But I'm really yeah. oh man. This whole, like the last three weeks have been like, when do I get to play Gree again? Can, yeah. it, can I play Gree again, please? When do I it get to play? It looks really good. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure to link a, a trailer for Gree in the show notes too. Oh, it's so pretty. The music's amazing too. Like I heard the soundtrack before I played the game. The the music mm. is is really very really cool. Good sound design in general, amazing. Let's get off of that topic and get onto the Patreon question. <laughs> yes, we have we have a lot to talk about tonight. I want to get to bed tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's do this. We have a Patreon question. Let me figure out where I put my die, and then I will roll that die. Here it is. All righty. 
Uh, oh, good. This is from a relatively new Patreon subscriber. This is from Aaron Arnold. What was the hardest lesson to learn as a Christian? This is not an easy question. Um, I have the I have an idea of what my answer is going to be as just putting the words to it per- properly. That cultural context is important because that was not a thing discussed in a lot of the youth groups I was part of. And youth groups were heavily influential in my young growth as a, as a Christian. And I probably should, honestly, I should have hung out with old people more. <laughs> I should have done that because they, they kind of got it. It's like the, and I, I, I mean no disrespect to more literal takes on the Bible, the, the, the Christian Bible specifically, but understanding ancient Jewish writing styles was massively, it, it was very, very hard for me to wrap my head around certain specific, not exactly narrative devices, but writing devices, historical documentation devices used by a- ancient Hebrew culture, like the whole age thing. It's it's like the age as written at the time of a, a person's death does not actually count the number of times they went around the sun. It's it's um it's much less literal than that. And and learning that was very, very hard for me. Yeah, I guess for me, and this is going to sound really, I, I don't even, it's going to sound weird. Maybe all of these will sound weird um, because they are difficult lessons. The fact that it applies to me too, hmm. like, I I don't know. I, A, there's a certain amount of, wait, really? I'm, I'm saved too? Really? Huh? It doesn't make sense. Uh, and some of that is, you know, my, my self-doubt and imposter syndrome coming through. But also all of the admonitions in the Bible and how to behave as a Christian, those also apply to me because I get very judgy. And it's very easy to, for me to forget, no, you know what? I also need to pay attention to this stuff and learn to behave that way. It's not, you know, it's not just on other people like, you're doing the Bible wrong. It's like, well, Grant, so are you. I, shoot, you noticed, you know? <laughs> that that's a a hard lesson. It's one I'm still learning. It's one I'll probably continue to fail at. And I know this could perhaps be reduced to, yes, Grant, you're a sinner too. But like, I get particularly judgy and am not aware of that. And that is something that I am still constantly working on. Peter? It's kind of a tie between what you said, um, specifically like, take the log out of your own eye first, and coming to grips with the fact that Christianity really just is not cool with violence, and what that meant for certain other things that I had in my belief system outside of my religious framework, um, that one was a hard one to grapple with, because I don't know how much I've talked about this on the mics, but for the longest time, I was kind of on a law enforcement career track. I I started that way back in my 20s, and Fortunately, I started it after I was in the workforce, so it took me a very long time to get through the criminal justice associate's degree because I did not take out student loans and I was working a day job. So I just took like a course or sometimes, you know, two a semester and just picked at it and picked at it and picked at it. And by the time I was done, I didn't want any part of that anymore because right when I started, I want to say like actually like a week or two after I started 9-11 happened. And the whole character of law enforcement in the United States changed as a result of that. Um, You started to get a a lot less of like the community policing kind of stuff that was really popular back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And it started moving into kind of the more militarized police that we have today. And just kind of going through the various parts of my faith journey that happened during and around and after that, and that process together was rough. I think I'm probably going to continue to process some of that baggage for the rest of my life. There is definitely an element of what was I thinking. (laughs) But yeah, just kind of coming to grips with, you know, with violence and force and what that means and what that doesn't mean as a Christian was 
an uncomfortable shift. Yeah, I hear that. Okay, well, Aaron, that's a good question. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Hopefully I, we get to put these slow, drawn-out, thoughtful conversations into something that's listenable because we're all sitting <laughs> here going, well, let me think this one through. We appreciate it. That that was a good, meaty, solid, like, tough question. Those are Absolutely. those are good. Gotta say, when I saw that one on the question list, I was like, I'm going to hate this one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm well, going to hate know. it when this question comes up because I'm going to forget about it. And uh, and then I'm going to get hit with it really hard. <laughs> yes, well, that, that will happen, and perhaps did. It, it, but it did. <laughs> if you want to get your own questions on our big old table of questions, all you got to do is support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Higher tiers have other rewards, of course, and uh, it helps keep us on the air, helps us uh, edit shows and stream things and generally uh, produce a better podcast. And we, we really appreciate all the support from all of our Patreon supporters. Very much so. All right, we've got some scripture. Let's go ahead and start. I'm going to switch things up, and I'm going to start this time. Ah, all right. pull a fast one on you here. And I'm going to get us started with Exodus. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And speaking of taking planks out of one's eye, this is Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And finally, we have Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So, as you might have figured out, from our scripture. Our topic tonight is the Ninth Commandment. Yes, we're very close to the end of our Ten Commandments series. And commandment number nine, at least in the list that we're using, is you shall not bear false witness. Sometimes you mean you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I guess the first obvious question we have to ask is what does bearing false witness mean? Well, it's lying about other people. Uh, slander, yep. malicious gossip, legal fabulations. I mean, there's... It covers a whole variety of essentially lying to make someone else look bad. Or lying to make yourself look good. Yeah. Sometimes that too. Although it's interesting that the way this is phrased is specifically lying about other people. And we're going to talk about that perhaps a little bit uh, later on. But you're right that it's always been understood generally as don't lie. And in particular, you know, lie about other people. But it's more generally tell the truth, right? Yeah. And in particular, it's the phrasing on this is kind of about betraying the truth and betraying the person that's being lied about. It's an attempt to make someone look bad when something isn't true. Um, you know, character assassination, false accusations, destroying someone's credibility, frame jobs, gossip. These are all forms of false witness, right? Or at least malicious gossip. Yeah. This can be the case from either side of a wrongdoing, right? I may lie about something that happened. I may, you know, I may cover for someone. I may keep quiet. All of these are not being truthful. These are being, you know, these are bearing false witness. And it is interesting that uh, the specific language used in Exodus kind of tends a little bit towards a legalistic tone, right? Bearing false witness instead of lying, right? Uh, but the, the terms are kind of have that, that legalistic context. But it's been understood from the very beginning 
that the commandment extends beyond legal contexts. Although, of course, legal contexts often have like life and death on the line in some cases. Or at the very least important property like homes and, <laughs> you know. Well, to be sure, but, you know, especially if you're talking about a uh, a judicial system that includes being stoned to death, lying turns out to be kind of important. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, now, a couple quick notes. There are some things that are not false witness that we want to talk about real quick. Uh, first is creative storytelling. I've seen too many people claim that a story is fiction and thus false and thus a lie and thus sin. I saw this a lot when Harry Potter came out specifically. It just brought a whole bunch of people right out of the woodwork and they were like, nope, it's fiction. It's sin. Like going right from, oh, it's about magic. It's sin to it's fiction. It's sin. And role playing is lying and thus is sin and making up any kind of story for whatever reason is sin. Apparently, Jesus's parables are an exception to this. Yeah, we don't know why. Well, well, this sounds a lot like I know that I don't like this thing and it's vaguely magical and uh, here's my poorly thought out reason for it. I'll be honest with you. That's what it comes across as. But I have also seen that uh, in other people as well. That's obviously I think if you are listening to a Christian podcast about tabletop role playing games, this is not something that you're going to have significant issues with Um, in yourself. Yeah. However, (laughs) rest assured, (laughs) you're fine. You're fine. The other thing that we're not going to talk about here is self-delusion, lying to yourself. I mean, this is – there are whole psychological theories about like how we lie to ourselves, how our memories change over time and how we want them to change. All of this stuff is things that, you know, we we could get into, but – we really can't like we're not experts in that and it's also a little outside the scope of what we're talking about it's neat fascinating really has real application and feels like criminal justice knowing whether or not a witness can be trusted how much can be inferred from eyewitness testimony could possibly make an interesting episode of its own someday oh yeah one of my favorite phrases to hear is the gm saying they think they're telling the truth (laughs) yes yeah that's a great one But it's a little outside the scope of what we are going to be talking about in this episode. So keep that in mind. Now, getting back to lying real quick. Lying is one of those things that can be done maliciously or can be done out of cowardice. Uh, There's a quote that I have used a fair bit from C.S. Lewis, and it's, nope, it's not that one. Nope, stop. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. It's not that one. This is from the Screwtape Letters. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at its testing point, which means at the point of highest reality. It's very easy to tell the truth when there's nothing on the line, but telling the truth and not throwing other people under the bus, not shifting the blame when it's something that you did and it's your responsibility, that's much harder. That takes courage. And that's what we're called to do. Although, interestingly, It's a little bit of a tangent here. In a professional context, I have found over multiple jobs over multiple years with all different managers that it is often better to, if you can't fix a mistake that you've made yourself without it really causing any kind of issue, self-reporting as quickly as possible will spare you so much grief and often most or even all of the trouble that you could get in for making the mistake. I mean, who? that's not just true in work. I mean, who here has had parents say, or been the parent who said, and I have, you're not in trouble for what happened. You're in trouble for lying to me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? This actually had severe real-world implications in multiple nuclear disasters because no one was willing to take the blame for problems or they would cover up problems and keep lying about it and saying, oh, no, that's someone else's job. No, it's your job to keep a nuclear reactor from blowing up. That's on you every time if it's if it's in your wheelhouse. You don't get to just sort of, you know, put the blame off onto somebody else. No, you 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 need to fix the problem before it gets significantly worse. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's one particular form of false witness that I think we don't often think of. 
when we think of lying, but there are a lot of others. And I kind of want to run through a few of these real quick. In a weird way, when we're going to talk about using this in game, we could just summarize it as things happen and people lie about it and interesting, and that's necessarily interesting, right? Because I think we all kind of instinctively understand, you know, if something is true and something else, and somebody says, hey, that's not true, the conflict between those things is where action can take place and drama. Right. So getting into different forms that lies might take is kind of maybe useful, but it's also useful outside of gaming context because we need to be aware of them, both because we should not do these things, also because being aware of them helps protect us against them. The first one of these, of course, is asking misleading questions right? Hinting and uh, implying without maybe actually explicitly saying anything untrue. And we get this from the third chapter of Genesis in the Bible, right? The serpent doesn't actually lie. He just asks misleading questions like, did God really say this? Well, and he also starts off with a a harsher false scenario. Did he say you can't eat from any of these trees? Oh, no, just that one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sowing seeds of doubt. Exactly. They call this FUD in the um, technology yes. uh, biz. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The next one, and this is particularly relevant to us as Christians, because this is very common in certain Christian circles. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's well-meaning. Sometimes it is not. Taking words out of context. Now, of course, I think we're all familiar with the idea of taking words out of context. We see this in political debates and movie reviews, right? Yeah, but there's also the hilarious inspirational quote in the Christian calendar that was actually Satan talking. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a favorite. But I, this is something that I think we're all pretty familiar with, right? Yeah. But proof texting is a real problem. Uh, you know, again, Peter, that example, <laughs> I've certainly seen that before. There's a reason that we read larger passages of scripture on saving the game. We try not to use single verses out of their proper context because of the whole proof texting problem. Now, sometimes a single verse is all there is, like with the commandments yeah. or with a lot of the Proverbs. Where yeah, it's Proverbs like- is like nothing but. And that's fine, right? Because then they are not being taken out of context. But even with the commandments, I frequently prefer to use numbers because numbers will give more context every time. You're right there. Again, the succinctness, the the lack of, what am I looking for? Uh, well, lack of context, frankly. Did I say numbers in, or Deuteronomy? In, numbers. You said numbers. I think I meant Deuteronomy. Okay. I think you did too, but- it's... I meant the one where it gives more context for the Yeah, right. do, you, do you want to start that over then? No. Okay. We're that's leaving it in. over. Go ahead. <laughs> no, we're leaving it in. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yes, I agree that sometimes the starkness and lack of expansion, elaboration. There's a word I'm looking for, and I'm blanking out. Uh, nuance, lack of nuance, can sometimes be a problem, uh, even in something like the Ten Commandments. And here's the other thing: there's a lot of scripture, and there are a lot of translations of scripture, which means that if you go looking, it's very easy to find a verse or a piece of a verse from a particular translation that you can twist to be in favor of or against almost anything. And we see this happen a lot. One of the, the first lessons we learned in, my, in all of my linguistics classes, every single one of my professors said, every time there is a translation, there is a further removal from the original context of the writing. You mm-hmm. cannot translate without changing meaning there is never a one-to-one translation of a full of a full text there i'm gonna butcher this quote but uh because i can't find it even though i've got the book in front of me here i i didn't think of this until it came up in the conversation but there's a line from inspired by rachel held evans that essentially says if you go looking for weapons you will always you know find weapons if you are looking for healing you will always find the bomb <laughs> and i I really enjoyed that because it, it's kind of a, a more elaborate version of the, the Shakespeare quote that says even the devil can quote scripture if it serves his purpose. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. I mean, if you take something far enough out of context, be that 
surrounding text or, you know, the, the culture in which it was written, you can really get pretty manipulative by selectively quoting scripture or other classic works. I mean, you can you can make a lot of things say whatever you want them to say by picking and choosing what what you choose to quote and what you choose to leave out. Yes, very true. It's important to note at this point in the conversation that this is different from interpretation, which some of our more conservative listeners will probably not agree with. But the idea of trying to understand, like, something better by looking at the circumstances around it is different from cherry-picking a specific phrase that says what you want it to. Yeah. There are not too many of our listeners who would argue with, you know, the idea that cherry-picking a verse like that that infamous one in Jeremiah that so many of the um, – Graduation cards and stuff have? Well, yeah, the whole, you know, I have plans for you, that that sort of thing, yeah. to, to prosper you and not to harm you, that so many prosperity gospel preachers lean on. Yeah. Right. When it's very clearly talking about the return of the Jews to Jerusalem and rebuilding Jerusalem and nothing else. It's supposed to give you or at the very if you're going to expand that out at all, the idea there is, hey, don't give up hope. I'm still with you. I know things are hard. I haven't forgotten you. And there are better verses than the one from Jeremiah <laughs> for for expressing that. That's said a lot of times in scripture, and you know, I, I will never leave you or forsake you is, you know, the one that springs to mind. But yeah, that that's a good one. It's it's not like I want to make everybody who follows me wealthy. You know, it's there's <laughs> there's actually quite a bit of um, scripture that would suggest the opposite, actually. Yeah. Let's also keep in mind that this isn't just cherry picking from a book. It's cherry picking from the word of God. <laughs> Yes. Give the word of what? God its proper respect, please. Yeah. 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 I mean, seriously. And that's something I'm going to talk about kind of at the end is we are we are word bearers. And that's important. But I'll touch on that at the end of the episode. A few other forms of, of masked false witness. One that's, I think, something we all need to be aware of. Logical fallacies. Oh, yeah. Now, sometimes logical fallacies are just poor arguing, right? Not everyone is trained in logic. Honest errors happen. Error and error is not always sin. Okay, uh, if if somebody tries to to figure out something and they come up with a false cause uh, argument for why something might have happened, you know, where they they see that something there's state A and state B, and they surmise the incorrect reason for the transition. Sure, it happens, right? Yeah. Sometimes there are errors of composition and decomposition. These are very common types of honest errors where you go, well. This one thing is like that, so I guess everything is like that, you know. And these are common, honest errors. We see them in children all the time, and it, there's no malice in it. Yeah. But logical fallacies, when deployed cunningly, can present what appears to be a good argument to someone, but it isn't actually. We probably know a lot of these terms, like straw man arguments, appeals to nature or genetics or authority, anecdotes rather than actual data begging the question. I think we all know these terms, yeah. but they're what used commonly. There's a reason there's a website like yourlogicalfallacyis.com so you can link to a specific logical fallacy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, there are many more that that site doesn't list. And these are particularly bad because they are they are easily used to abstract things and lead people down a, pa a chain of argument that can be pretty awful. I mean, let's Let's not beat around the bush. This is how people wind up radicalized sometimes. Oh, yeah. Things like, you know, terrorist and white supremacy. Well, <laughs> white supremacy is a form of terrorism, but it is. Um, they, that is a particularly common one that you will see around here is, you know, them using some of this stuff. This can this can take relatively ordinary people and over time can lead them into some real awful territory yeah. over not much time either. Hatred and violence can be manufactured disturbingly quickly. Yes. Loaded questions. These might be the most recognizable sort of log logical fallacy. You know, the uh, when did you stop beating your wife? Or are you still beating your wife? Yep. Yeah. Yep. However you want to phrase them. There's a particular anecdote that uh, political types are pretty aware of. And I, I this is a, a great story. And it says a lot about uh, political discourse, but also logical fallacies in general or loaded questions. 
And this was echoed actually in Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail articles from 1972. I've cleaned this up a little bit because Hunter S. Thompson had some more explicit language in here. As he describes it, this is one of the oldest and most effective tricks in politics. Every hack in the business has used it in times of trouble, and it has even been elevated to the level of political mythology in a story about one of Lyndon Johnson's early campaigns in Texas. The race was close, and Johnson was getting worried. Finally, he told his campaign manager to start a massive rumor campaign about his opponent's lifelong habit of having certain relations with his barnyard animals. The campaign manager protests, we can't get away with calling him those sorts of names. Nobody's going to believe a thing like that. I know, Johnson replied, but let's make him deny it. Loaded questions have power because they plant something in your brain. And even though you say, no, that's not true, it's it's there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I think the modern take of all of this is trolling. Yep. And many forms of trolling are designed to exhaust and trick people into saying something that can be used against them later so that you can take something out of context or just, you know, have a quote that, you know, you have to explain, well, I was mad, I was angry. You know, you've tricked somebody into saying something that they should not have done or just to exhaust somebody by forcing them to defend themselves over and over and over called sea lioning after a depressingly true Wondermark strip I'll link in the show notes. You know, these are all forms that we need to be aware of and be careful not to use ourselves, yes, even against them, yes, even in that circumstance. Yep. We've talked a lot about lying. What it is. There's a lot to say about it, but how do we how do we make false witness something gameable? And I again I will grant it seems like a very obvious thing. Yeah, but let's talk about some of the obvious things. So this is obviously the framework upon which a million stories about crime and justice hang, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Witness intimidation or bribery is uh, a common one in the media, and for good reason. Pablo Escobar, who was in charge of one of the big drug cartels, coined the phrase uh, plata o plomo, uh, silver or lead, take the bribe or die. Uh, And this was used by him and his people against law enforcement people and judges. So he was planting false witness in the justice system under threat of death and incentivized by bribery, which obviously means that once somebody has taken one of these, you can use that against them too. Obviously here you get somebody who is honest and doesn't want to do either one of these and you have to protect them. Because drug cartels and organized crime gangs or uh, syndicates of all varieties are notoriously ruthless and violent. So whether you're talking about, you know, the the mafia in New York or, uh, you know, South American drug cartel or a a group of smugglers in Australia or something. A corporation in Shadowrun. Yeah. 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 Corporation (laughs) in Shadowrun is a great example. A a lot of these are so good for Shadowrun. And it's partly because Shadowrun is a game about, well, a lot of espionage kinds of things. Well, Shadowrun is about a dystopia where messaging is a big part of the dystopia, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have to sift out truth and dig to find out truth. And truth is valuable both in something that needs to be hidden by certain uh, parties, but also has real monetary value that your job is to go get and sell. Well, I mean, the the very first job in the Shadowrun game you ran back in the day was going and messing with just one batch of uh, energy drinks that were going to be sent to a reviewer, right? So, Absolutely. And one of the other ones that I ran was slip into uh, an old records hall where they still had everything done by paper because, you know, not everything had been computerized because it's a poorer area and go swap out a document. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's two out of one campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's kind of like a fabrication of evidence kind of a thing. One of the other ones that might not be immediately obvious here, but we kind of touched on earlier in the show, conflicting stories. Yes. You have two witnesses that are telling you things that are mutually exclusive or at least sound mutually exclusive that both fervently believe what they are telling you. And of course, it's more fun if you have like five people who are all telling you different stories about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a thing that real investigators have to deal with, particularly in stuff that happens suddenly or violently. Mm. Like um, drive-by shootings are notorious for this because 
it's traumatic, right? And it's sudden. All of a sudden, you know, you're you're going about your normal day, and all of a sudden, bullets are flying, people are dying, people are diving for cover. There's noise. There's all kinds of like sudden movements and stuff, and people's memories get messed up by that stuff. We can also sort of bring this back to our previous commandment episode: identity theft. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. It you know two two commandments in one. <laughs> <laughs> two birds with one stone. Why why commit one sin when you can commit two? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. But yes, pretending to be someone to tell a story about something. How many Law and Order episodes or CSI episodes have featured, you know, the actual killer being one of the people who's interviewed and they, you know, have a little fact for the cops, right? They're standing around like, yeah, I saw this. Oh, no, it was actually the killer all along. Here's a hint. It's a lot of them because the writers are lazy. Yeah. <laughs> or the person who's investigating this is the perpetrator. That happens sure. a little bit, too. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of murder of Roger Ackroyd. Not to spoil that for anybody who hasn't read it, but you should. Something really common in any and all politically based games, uh, propaganda, smear campaigns, blackmail, character assassination, anything to ruin the image of your opponent. Like very much in that Hunter S. Thompson. Or even your opponent's supporters. That, that gets used yeah. a fair amount, too. Um, mm-hmm. In True. fact, actually, a lot of these tropes, I have this somewhere in the outline and we, we shot past it, but a lot of this stuff gets used to harm or demonize entire populations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the real world, that's a huge problem. We'll probably get to that a little bit further down the episode. But, you know, that's the sort of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, all those orcs are just, you know, violent, bloodthirsty raiders. And, you know, meanwhile, they're like the orcs from my motorcycle gang where it's like, uh, no, no, they definitely are not that. <laughs> They're good drinking so. buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those orcs are, are absolutely. I yeah. love those orcs. <laughs> Again, we did that in the colony game a bit. Yeah. You know, we had the guy who was trying to talk up how dangerous everything around was when, oh, no, he'd actually done something terrible and, you know, made them angry. Yep. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gage was, <laughs> was real bad. Yeah. And certainly the idea of, like, causing discord among your enemies to create distractions and confusion. Yeah. This can be on a small scale or a massive scale. You can throw a rock at a guard from, you know, far away and and start a fistfight between two guards guarding something. Or you can lie about what another country did and get another country, another more different country, angry at the first country. Being like, oh, such and such a political leader said such and such a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can provoke a full-on war sometimes. Yeah. So. yeah. We're, we're kind of putting some of this in the context of, uh, you know, criminal justice situations, false witness and investigations and that sort of thing. Or even but, espionage, but you don't need a nation-state level of scale here. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Saying the right thing about someone or not to powerful criminal figures can ruin or end their life at least as reliably as going falsely to the courts, but think even smaller than that. Academic or professional authorities can really make people's lives difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. if somebody gets kicked out of their college program, supposedly for plagiarism or something like that, mm-hmm. that can have adverse effects on them for the rest of their lives. Getting fired from a job, getting you know smeared to like a school board or something like that. These can have really lasting, nasty consequences, and they can make the framework for a plot line that you know deals with an injustice that has to be untangled. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it seems weird to stop talking about gaming applications of this now, but again, so much of this is so open-ended, it's almost difficult to talk about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Find out the truth of something is just the biggest gaming hook there is almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like every mystery, yeah. every yeah. single one, you know? No, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. I do kind of want to come back a little bit to talking about this in our lives and at the gaming table. Um, generally speaking, don't lie about people or to people. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cut and dried there. Although I would definitely say that the save a life exemption applies, which I know for a lot of these you've been referencing the Ten Commandments from the backside. I believe that gets called out at least a couple of times in there, right? That all of these have the exception of if you're going to save somebody's life with it, you can yeah, break the commandments. Yeah, it certainly does. It does. And the, the bigger thing that I want to point out is that sometimes this is not malicious. Sometimes lying is the last defense of the defenseless. 
It's why my children lie because they're trying to defend themselves. They don't understand how. They don't understand that telling the truth and fixing the problem is better. They they think I need to get out of this problem right here, which is my dad looking at me being a little disappointed and angry, and I need to get out of that. And they lie. That's the last defense. That's the only defense children have against adults in their lives. Uh, and sometimes, you know, lying is the only defense you have. I mean, nobody's going to be particularly upset except Nazis for lying to Nazis about sheltering Jews. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's Nobody, including God, I hasten to add. I think <laughs> exactly. I, I can say that pretty uh, confidently. That That's the point. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's what you do and it's what you have to do. My last thought on this, and I want to come back to this, I like the the way that J. Ellsworth Collis sort of turns this commandment around. You shall bless and be blessed by the truth. We are called, like I said, to be word bearers. We are here to bear the word of God to others. And that's a powerful truth. And it should be spoken. And it should be enjoyed, reveled in. I think this is one of... The only or, or few commandments where the exact opposite is an imperative. Does that make sense? It actually does make sense. There, There isn't exactly an opposite to you don't murder. There, There's not like a direct opposite. This right. has a direct opposite. With, with murder, there's obviously like nurture life, create things, uh, mm -hmm. be a creative person, don't destroy things. But like... There's tell the truth, lying, like they are directly oppositional to one another. And, and speaking truth, I think, is is an imperative. I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I want to bring this back around briefly to gaming just for the point of an illustration of this. And this was something that I attributed to one of Lambert's mentors because I can't remember where I heard it from in real life. But it's something to the effect of the truth is powerful. A lot of the time, just stating things as they are really is a very smart course of action because it allows people to see what the situation truly is and deal with the real problem. I saw in my professional career back when I was in retail a lot of corporate would set unreasonable standards. People would fudge the time that it took to get stuff done to make it seem like they were doing the right thing. And so corporate thought their standards were reasonable and everybody was just living in this constant lie. And the, the people in the trenches were miserable and corporate didn't understand why things weren't getting done on time. Yeah, it happens a lot, Yeah, especially in corporate environments. One thing I do want to stress, by the way, if if you're lying, if you're a habitual liar, if you lie regularly, if you, if you exaggerate, if you say things that are not true for for gain. And I want to stress this. If you repeatedly misspeak in ways that are obvious and anybody, you know, can look at it and say, I mean, it seems like you're stretching the truth there. No one's going to believe you when you talk about God either. Yeah. And seek counseling. But, well, like, yes, but I, that's yeah, <laughs> even then I don't just mean, you know, like, you know, a, a, a serial fabulist. I mean, someone who will lie and 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 say untrue things for their own to put themselves forward and here i'm i'm staring at quite a number of uh politically involved uh christians who seem to put the politics first yeah mm -hmm. and i still say to them seek counseling <laughs> well me too but even then no one's listening to the true parts of your message because no one can know what's true or false from what you're saying right it's a it's a real problem. Don't surround truth with falsehood because when they're all coming out of one mouth, no one can tell the difference. On that note, I think I want to wrap the episode up unless any of you have anything else. Nope, that's a great nope. final note to wrap it on. <laughs> yep. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it around on social media. That helps us quite a bit. It really does. Reviews also help us. Those are wonderful for us. Every review, like I, I know I talk about this some, but... Every time we get an iTunes review, it bumps our numbers up pretty significantly because algorithms work off of those reviews as not just listenership, but engagement. And, oh, people might like this, right? So every time somebody leaves us a review, it helps us quite a bit. 
So if you have not done so, please go ahead. That really does help us quite a bit. And if you want to listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast feed on your favorite podcatcher. We're we're up there on about any tool you want to use. And if you want to find more episodes uh, that aren't in our feed, our, our oldest episodes at this point, I don't think are. Maybe they are still. I'm not sure. Or if you want to see Peter's excellent blog posts that he writes every Tuesday when we don't have an episode, go to our website, stgcast.org. And you can also find from there a link to our Discord channel, which is full of our awesome listeners. Uh, great people to talk to and discuss episodes and topics and faith discussions and gaming ideas and all sorts of good stuff. Creative projects. And yes, great community Find out about general. World Anvil contests from. <laughs> yes, wonderful community. It really, yeah. really is. There's a reason mm-hmm. we talk them up every episode. They're yeah, good people. They really are. On that note, let's wrap it up here. Good night, folks. Take it easy. Have a good one. We'll catch you next time. See you later, folks. See ya. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilore.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.